Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. If you are new to Elevate, I want to say welcome. Let me be the first one to say, man, we're so glad that you're here. Um, We are honored, hopefully, that you don't just feel welcome here, you also feel wanted here, like you can be a part of the family. You don't have to believe what we believe in order to belong here, so we're so grateful that you would choose to, to kick the tires today and check out faith and check out God and what he has for your life. We are in a collection of talks and what we'll do is we'll go through kind of a a collection or a theme of talks for a a few weeks and really kind of zero in on some areas. And this one is called Built Different. In fact, punch your neighbor right now and say, I'm built different. Let them know. We're gonna punch every week, I think. I don't know. We're just starting a new trend. How many of you know the way the world is building families and relationships is not working. And so our heart really is to be built different, built on a firm foundation on Christ. Our solid rock is what the Bible says. In fact, that's why it is our foundational text in this series, Matthew 7, 24. It says this, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, somebody say practice. Practice. That is the key word. We want to be not only hearers of the word, we want to be doers of the word. We need to put this into practice. And when we do that, it says, you're like a wise person who built their house on a rock, on a firm foundation. And though the winds came, the rains came, the streams rose, the winds beat against the house. What does it say? That the house stood fast. It's remained strong because it was built on the rock. However, it talks about another person who was foolish. It says the foolish person hears the word and doesn't put it into practice. And he built his house on the sand. And when the rains came and the streams rose and the winds blew, says that house fell with a mighty crash. And so our prayer has been, hey, if we're going to build different, we need to be different. That we need to build uncommon families for an unstable world. How many of you know it's unstable? And so we need to build strong. And so that's really our, our goal. And, uh, you know, we're talking about parenting and I can't get everything that we need in just a few weeks in, in a parenting kind of, uh, of, of series of talks. And, and so I pray that you would just continue this. Maybe there's a great resources and great books and studies you can do on your own. Um, but, but parenting changes throughout the years. I realize this. I am now I have the, I have four boys, count them, four boys, 18 down to six. And some of you are like, you really must like kids. No, I really like my wife, you know? And so that's part of the problem. <laughs> just saying. But, you know, I used to talk about parenting and I really didn't have that much experience. And now we're in that place where I have an 18-year-old. He turns 18 on Father's Day, June 18th. Come on, that's next week. And like, so we've kind of experienced that whole season of what that looks like. But parenting has changed over the years with every single child. Like, for example, I remember bringing our firstborn Wade home from the hospital terrified Like, these people are crazy letting me take a child home. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. We were driving on the road. I was going like six miles an hour. Every car was my enemy, you know, I just was terrified. And by the second kid, you know, it's like, let's go. Let's get in the car and head home. And by the time our third child was born, I looked at Kristen and I said, I know you just gave birth, but I'm exhausted. Can you drive home, please? (laughs) I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I didn't do that. 
But it changes, does it not? You become more experienced, you become more comfortable. Uh, like take for example, binkies or pacifiers or wubbinubs, whatever you called them with your children. Like with the first baby, that thing falls to the floor, you pick it up, you boil that thing sterilize it, right? Make sure that it's, it's completely clean or you just throw it away and go get a new one. With a second child, you like rinse it in the, in the glass, you know, of water at the table and then you give it to him. The third child, you let the dog lick it clean and you just <laughs> pop that sucker right back in. It just changes, it changes. I found this online, this is pretty funny. This is how parenting changes with every child. And just a quick disclaimer, a woman wrote this. So don't get mad at me. Just throwing that out there. This is how your life changes with each child. First of all, when it comes to maternity clothes, ladies, the first baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as the OBGYN confirms the pregnancy. Like you're so excited. I'm going to go get some maternity clothes with a second child. You wear your regular clothes as long as possible. Right? You just want to draw it out as long as you can. By the third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular. <laughs> That's still funny. That's still funny. Now, how about this when it comes to going out with the first baby, the first time you call home every five minutes? Is everything okay? How's the child doing? Second baby, you might call like once in the evening if it's going to be late. By the third baby, you tell the sitter, only call if she sees blood, right? Don't be calling me, messing up my dinner, unless there is blood. The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. And some of us just need a little medicine perhaps this morning. Um, but again, there's too much to cover in a few weeks. But today I want to talk about what I believe are the irreducible minimums. Like these would be the essential building blocks for building a family. And by the way, this is not just for, for parents because some of you don't, don't have children. You're not in that season of life. This applies to everyone in this room. These are building blocks for how we build strong relationships. So apply to everyone. Proverbs 24, three says a house is built by wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. Wisdom is beyond training. We need godly wisdom. Wisdom is beyond just information. How many of you know the last thing some of us need is just more and more information. We need, we need wisdom that we can put into, into practice. Wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. So we're not talking about rocket science. We're just talking about applying good sense to building our families, to building our lives strong, these building essentials. I'm calling this uh, talk today block work. If you're looking for a title for your notes, if you're a note taker, um, write this down. If you're not a note taker, write this down. Today is a great day to start calling this block, block work. And probably the first and most obvious building block that we need to building on a firm foundation is faith that it all starts here. In fact, I would qualify this and say an authentic faith. That is to say that there is such thing as an inauthentic faith. Is that right? Inauthentic, unauthentic? I don't know. You guys can figure that out. There are a lot of people that have not yet figured out that faith is more than coming to church once a week. In fact, there are a lot of people that if you are here just, just kicking the tires, and that's okay, I'm so glad that you are here. 
But if you're, you're here and you've just made God a part of your life and not an all-consuming part of your, your life, can I tell you what you're missing? You are missing this real, authentic, vibrant relationship where the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives in and through your life and it enables you to face any situation. It gives you power, it gives you a strength, right? And there's a lot of us that have not yet figured that, that out, that it needs to start there. In fact, I don't think we can build any further. We certainly can't build higher unless we have a, a firm foundation, a, a authentic, vibrant faith. In fact, if there is a message that comes out of this church, it would be this, I want to lead you way beyond checking a box, way beyond just church attendance and into this real vibrant relationship that you can have with God through his, his spirit. In fact, this, the last thing many of us need is another explanation of God. We need an experience with God. We need an encounter with God. Are you with me? We need to be where, where Jesus said in John 10 that his sheep know his voice. And so if nothing else, you need to hear this. I want to lead you to a place where, where you know God, but God also knows you. You know his voice. You have a relationship, a meaningful relationship with God. If you hear nothing else today, hear that. The best parenting advice I can give anyone in this room to draw as close to God as you possibly can. The best marriage advice I can give to anybody is get as close to God as you possibly can. It starts there. I promise you this will impact every relationship that you have on this planet. If you draw as close to God, I used to do some of the marriage counseling here at the church. Couples would come in a lot of times, you know, fighting or in disagreements. And a lot of times, honestly, we would be a last resort. They want to come talk to a pastor or someone before it was just over. And you'd hear their side, you know, his side and then her side. And how many of you know there's always, you know, his side and her side. And then there's the right side, right? There's a little bit of both. But I wouldn't listen that much. And that's why I'm not a great counselor. I wouldn't listen because I already knew what I was going to ask them. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got what he did. I got what she did. Tell me about this. Where's God in your life? Where does he fit in the equation? Because if I can't give you the only tool that I know will make a difference, if I can't give you this, then I promise you nothing else works. You can't build beyond first having a firm foundation. Like we could shut this thing down, say amen and go home right now. Are you with me? Let's all go to El Amigo. Let's, let's get out of here. Let's eat lunch. Proverbs 14, 26 says this reverence for the Lord gives a man a deep strength. Reverence. When you have this deep, authentic relationship with God, look who benefits when you do. His children have a place of refuge and security. Can I tell you, this is fundamental if you wanna build strong, build different on a firm foundation, Joshua 24, 15, used to have this in my, my office at home. Uh, it says, choose this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And again, I don't think it can go any further unless we get that right. But here's the second block. Once we have that in place, and that is purpose. Purpose, and this one might, might surprise you, but I don't think you can understand your, your purpose until you have a rooted position in Christ. That it all has to, to start there, has to kind of grow from, from that point. How, how many of you parents in the room know that every child of yours is different? They're all different, are they not? 
There's studies on the birth order. There's different kinds of, of things that you can read. And I'm not talking about just big differences. I'm also talking about small little nuances, like the way they talk. You know, the way that they, they eat their food is different. We're like, close your mouth. Like, why can't you eat like a, or the way some of them breathe. My wife would say, you sound like a train coming through. Is that not true? Like they're all different. And it's our job as a, as a parent to find out and to focus on their unique differences, their God-given abilities. In fact, one of the best pieces of, of advice I could pass on, this is what my dad told me. He said, hey, Colby, you don't have to be good at everything. You just gotta be great at one thing. And if I could tell every parent in this room that, listen, like the best thing you can share is you could tell your children, you don't have to be great at everything. You don't have to do everything well. You don't have to get all A's in school. Like, this doesn't mean don't try, you know, real hard in your education, but you are great. You are a genius at at least one thing. And our job is to find out and discover and then to cultivate what that one thing is, what that purpose is, and then help them lean into that in their, their life. Like I said, I'm, I'm in this season now where I have one of my children, my youngest, not my youngest. He was my, he was my firstborn. Now he's my oldest. I got too many kids, people. <laughs> That's turning 18. And our, our goal, I mean, he's, he's, he has this engineering mind. He is creative. He does design. He's, he's leaving, going to Highlands College to do like technical design and production stuff because he's just, he's wired that way. And it was our heart really to kind of lean into that and, and pour into that and give him opportunities to express that. You met another one of my boys last week. He just said on stage, patiently, like for four services, none of my other kids could do that. Just wired differently. Are you with me? So they're all unique and it's our job as parents to discover what that is and really help cultivate that in their life. I was talking with Wade, my oldest who's graduating and we were talking about his grades and he's like, dad, I never made, I made one B my whole life. One B on my, my report card in my whole life. And I'm like, that ain't nothing. I, I only made one B too. <laughs> my parents lost their mind when I got a B. It's like they won the lottery. They're like, what? Like, seriously, I worked hard for my C's. Anybody else working hard? It wasn't for me necessarily. I wasn't good at all that stuff. But I was better at other things and my parents leaned into that. There's something that you are a genius at. God designed you that way. And so parents, we have a, a responsibility. I, in fact, I would say it this strong. There is, there's an anointing on your life, parent, to prophesy over your children to speak to them about their God-given design and abilities. In fact, I think that's my job as a pastor of this church to do that for us. It's to say, hey, like the best way I know to pastor you and lead you is for you to first know your purpose and to know why you're here, which is why we do something called Explore or Explore Track. It's, it's four weeks. We say, just give me four weeks of your life. And the second week happens like today, it's week two, which is discovering your design, discovering your, your wiring. We say your design points to your destiny. And so God knits you and forms you specifically on purpose with a, a purpose. And if you would come, that happens at 1130, right after this worship experience, you can come and, and hang out for that. And we'll take you through a spiritual gifts test, like a, a personality analysis and help to kind of direct like how God has, has designed you because it's the best way for me to know how to pastor you. Every single one of you are great 
in at least one thing. You're a genius in some area. And by the way, when you find that and discover what that is in your life, can I tell you something? It's the game changer. Because now you know what you are called to do and you also know what you're not gonna waste your time doing. And we're gonna get to that. But here's what Ephesians 4.29 says, um, which is why I believe maybe especially fathers, and we're gonna talk a little bit about this next week. Um, Dads, we need to watch what we say. Parents, we need to watch what we say and speak over our children. It says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Instead, only the stuff that is helpful for building people up, not tearing them down, but building them up and watch this, according to whose needs? Their needs. Not your needs, mom, dad, not what you want for them, but their needs. And you don't know what that is unless you've discovered and helped pour into their purpose according to their needs. And I don't have a ton of regrets um, as, as a, a father yet. I still have little ones, so I got time to fail. Were you with me? Um, but I do know there are times where uh, my, my tongue was a little too quick, where I said some things that I shouldn't have said in the moment I was upset. You know, some things I wish I could take back. Your words matter. Your words matter. Only use words that will build each other up. And that's why I love this picture of Jesus in Mark 10, 16, where it says he took the children in his arms and put his hands on them and spoke a blessing over them. And I like to think that with every child he picked up, he said, here's the, the anointing on your life. Here's the calling on your life. Here's, here's the, the plan and purpose of your life. It wasn't just bless you, my child, bless you, my child, down the line. It was, this is, this is what you're called to. A blessing was a, a prophetic, like a verbal statement. So parents, we have the responsibility to do that as well, to speak words of life over our children, to help them be built different. Are you with me? Say amen right there, amen. Um, here's a, the third one. So faith, purpose, and then plan. And this would be your, your time. This would be intentionally uh, making sure you, you, you do, uh, you, you spend your time wisely. How many of you know the, the greatest commodity that you have in life is your time? It's the most valuable thing we all have. We all have the same amount of it. We don't get any more of it. It's our time. But you don't know how to spend your time unless you know your purpose. And you don't know your purpose unless you know uh, and have a great foundational faith in Christ. Are you with me? And so that's why these are, are essential to build off of. The families that Kristen and I know that we admire the most will tell you that they were very intentional about two things, what they did do and what they didn't do because they knew how valuable their time was. In fact, I can say it like this, you know what to say no to when you know why you're here. Are you with me? Like you know what to say no to, you know what to say yes to. And because of that, we are very intentional, you know, as, as parents with our children. Like for the, we, we would try, it's getting difficult in these days, but we would always try to spend dinners together. But the older they get, how many of you know, they're going to 12 different directions, driving, doing whatever they want to, it becomes more difficult. And so we still try to sit down when we can together as a family. In the summers, we say, hey, we're turning off the screens because we just wanna spend time and hang out together when we can and not have our faces buried in an iPad. Colby, would you say that's an essential Absolutely, I would. Absolutely. In fact, if you want to know why, um, 
parents' relationships are the way they are with their children these days, let Cornell University tell us in this study, it said this, that the average father in America spends seven minutes a day with his kids, 49 minutes a week, less than an hour a week. You ready for this one? The average father spends 37.7 seconds a day with his preschooler. Instead, what do we do? Here's an iPad. Let this occupy your time. And I'm not against that. I mean, we do that as well. But the question becomes who or what is raising your children? YouTube? Video games? Do perfect? I guess it could be worse. They're all right, dudes. Like this is, this is huge. This is huge. Instead, maybe shut the thing off for a season. Maybe take July and say, you know what? We are going to do screen free, social media free, and we're just going to have, uh, remember this word, conversation. Come on, right? Let's try that, you know, for a little bit instead. Just trying to help us out. And honestly, I don't think you should do eight sports at a time with your children. Maybe one. Like we've told our kids, hey, just, we're going to try to do one thing you know, at a time. So we're not running around all these different places or scouts and dance and all that. You should eliminate some things because when we live that way, here's what Psalm 39, six says. It says, we are only moving shadows and all of our busy rushing around. The Bible says ends in nothing. All that rushing around, all that going from place to place, thing to thing, it ends in, in nothing. Colby, how do we know if we are too busy? Well, if you yell, hey kids, it's time for dinner and they go jump in the car. You're too busy. Are you with me? You're too busy. All that rushing around ends in nothing. Because no one looks back over their life, over the plan that they had, and thinks to themselves, man, if we'd only done one more tournament, if we would have only been a part of one more travel league, if we would have only, no one says that. You know what everybody says? Everybody says, I wish we had more what? I wish we had more time. And so we need to be intentional about the way we spend our, our time. Here, here's what Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says. This is from the wisest man uh, who walked the earth. King Solomon next to Jesus. Better is one handful, just one, do, doing simple things really well. Quality, one handful with tranquility than two handfuls and the toil and chasing after the wind, trying to juggle everything that you can, all these schedules, all this stuff, and said, hey, let's, why don't we just try this? So much more peace. Let's do one thing. Let's do it really, really well. This is an essential to being built different. And then there, here's number four. And I can't um, oversell this one enough. And that is people. People. And I would qualify this one too and say the right people. How many of you know there's such thing as the wrong people? <laughs> Every single one of us in this room you are the sum total of the relationships you have in your life. Every one of us. Good or bad, by the way. Like when it's good, you know the reason why you got there? Is because of relationships. You stood on someone else's, else's shoulders that helped prop you, prop you up. Like bad, the reason why you got there is because of relationships oftentimes. We say, hey, show me your kids' friends and I'll show you exactly where they're headed. Show me your, your friends, I'll show you your future. That's what has been said over and over again. That's why this one is critical to be in right relationships. In fact, I would say this is a backbone of this house, 
of this church. That we want you to find friends, find family, do life together, join a small group, come to sisterhood nights, come to brotherhood nights, marriage nights. It's not just so we can get people together. You know what it's for? It's so that you can get the right people in your life who will pray for you, who will encourage you, who will help you when you're trying to build this way, build different and say, you know what? That might be different according to the world, but I'm with you. I'll support you in that. Like the right people. Again, I cannot overstate this enough. The best decisions you will ever make in your life are the relationship decisions. We'll have young people, college students that will sometimes ask, you know, say, hey, PC, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I'm like, you're asking the wrong questions. Your what and your where are not the most important question. You know what it is? The who. Who you're going to do it with who you're going to reach, who you're going to touch, what and where, let God handle that. But who? You better make sure you're surrounding yourselves. Is this helping anybody? Surrounding yourselves with the right people, the right people. Proverbs 27, 19 says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by what? The kinds of friends he chooses. That's huge. Proverbs 13, 20, you've heard this. Who, who, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools does what? Goes to jail. <laughs> suffers harm. Gets in trouble. Gets busted. You need to have the right relationships, right people. In fact, I would say trying to build this way in your life becomes exponentially more difficult, if not impossible, if you have the wrong ones. Becomes really hard to build right. That's why I'd say make sure that you are building it and doing it with the right people. And this is probably an area Kristen and I have been really strict in with our boys. Like almost to, I wouldn't even say to a fault. We've just decided, you know what, we're not gonna do it like everybody else does it. And so we've closely monitored their relationships. Like, like on their phones, like some of you are like, oh, that's, that's privacy, uh-uh, that's not their phone. That's my phone. They're leasing that phone. And by the way, they pay for that phone, $10 a month. Let's go, right? They're paying for it, which means we have liberty to check our phone whenever we want to. And if their friends are saying all kinds of dirty stuff, nasty stuff, cussing and swearing, we're like, you're not hanging out with them. Forget it. You're not going over to their house. And they'll get pushed back. Oh, I want to. I want them to be my friend. And we're like, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to bring them to church. They're gonna have to get saved. And then you can like, meet Jesus and then maybe you can hang out with them. Are you with me? Right, let's start there. Parents, that pushback, that battle, don't stop that fight. That is short-term pain for long-term gain. I promise you. And I know it feels countercultural in the world we're living in. I'm just telling you, we're gonna be built different. Somebody say build different. You just got to build different, be built different. Um, here's what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. Don't be yoked together. So the young person who is doing what's called missionary dating, you know what that is? Dating him in order, you know, with hopes that you're going to lead him to Jesus one day. Don't do that. Don't be yoked together. In fact, a guy will say or do just about anything to get what he wants. Come on. Don't do that. It says this, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What do fellowship, what fellowship can light have with darkness? They can't. They just can't. It is a, a 
fundamental building block to build differently. And I want to give you this last one. And before I do, I really believe that that we're going to end a little bit different. In in a collection of talks called Built Different, I think we have to do things a little different. And that's why everybody got a cinder block when they came in. In just a moment, we're we're going to do something with those. But here's the last one. And that's pardon. Pardon. You know what pardon means? To forgive. To give grace. You know why it's called amazing grace, by the way? Because it makes no sense. That God in heaven would would love you. Like in spite of all the ways that we fall short and fail. And not just in our past, by the way, but also all the ways we're going to fail in the future. Like, who does that? Nobody. Nobody. But I promise you, there is not a relationship on this planet. Parent, child, brother, sister, friend, spouse, that will not require you to have immense, um, I'd say, just a deep ability to forgive, to be able to demonstrate pardon in that relationship if you want to remain in that relationship. And some of you know that firsthand because there are still some people that you have yet to forgive. You're still holding grudges. You're still holding bitterness in your life. And I just need to remind somebody that you will never have to forgive someone of something more than what Christ has forgiven you. And we need to be able to forgive one another. If we want to be able to stay in the right relationship with them, if we want to build, build strong. And we know this because relationships are hard. Relationships are challenging. Relationships can, can really um, like be this, this tense thing where people screw up all the time. You know why that is? Because we're human and because we fail. And I, I can't tell you, you know, my boys haven't royally screwed up, but I know I have. And I don't know what that was like. And I knew, know that in those moments, there was nothing more that I needed than for a father or mother to come around me and say, hey, I love you. I love you. I have grace for you. I have forgiveness for you. I know that you need me now more than you ever have parents. There are going to be moments in your children's lives where they need you more in their failures than they need you in their successes. They need you in both. But they need you to extend this pardon, this forgiveness. In fact, I want to read you a letter. This is from a son to his dad. His dad found this letter on his bed, and this is what he said, Dad, uh, it is with great sorrow that I'm writing you. He said, I had to elope with my new girlfriend because we wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom. I found true love with Samantha. She is my soulmate, and I knew you and mom would not approve of her because of her piercings, tattoos, tight clothes, and because she is 12 years older than I am. But it's not just the passion that we have together, Dad. She is pregnant. And she says that we'll be happy together on our own. She has a trailer in the woods. And we're sharing the dream of having more and more children. Samantha has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. And we're hoping to grow our own crop. Our goal is to trade marijuana with others in the commune for all the ecstasy and meth that we would like. 
In the meantime, we're praying there's a cure for Samantha's HIV so she can get better. Don't worry, Dad. I know I'm only 15, but I know how to take care of myself. Someday we hope to visit you so you can get to know your grandkids love your son, Evan. P.S. None of the above is true. I'm over at Tommy's house and I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the report card in my desk drawer. (laughs) Come on, I had you going. I know I had you going so good. Somebody say grace. Pardon. We need to extend this. And I think we've forgotten, honestly, that this is a part of our responsibility. I want to say something here. There's someone that's, that's looking to bail perhaps on their marriage, bail on their family. Because of this, you've refused. In fact, here's what you've thought in your mind. You've thought, you know what, the grass is greener on the other side or things are easier on the other side. Can I tell you, the grass is greener wherever you water your yard. That's where it's greener. And I think some of us need to water our yards, our relationships with grace, with forgiveness, with pardon. Like we've forgotten, this is what followers of Jesus do. We forgive, we don't hold grudges. We don't take revenge. We do what Jesus did on the cross with arms stretched wide, nails in his hands, said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to do the same, to forgive others who who hurt us and offend us. And a house divided, the Bible says in Mark 3.25, the house divided against itself cannot stand. And it's not gonna stand, it's not gonna be built strong, it's not going to last when it's divided and there's no forgiveness in the home. And this is what Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Colby, but I can't, I can't. But you can if you remember just how much Jesus has forgiven you for. And you can. You can't. There's a story in the the Old Testament. Um, In Ecclesiastes, uh, here's what what the Bible says. It says there, uh, maybe some of you know this this song. Uh, You know it as a song. This was actually taken from God's word. It says, for everything, there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, kind of those make sense, we understand those, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance. And then it says this, and here's the question mark, it says a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. Time to scatter them and a time to gather them. What does that mean? That's talking about an Old Testament observance where there was a guy named Jacob who God changed his name to Israel. And Jacob, was, had a, a, a father-in-law who was just a, a rotten dude. Terrible guy. He wanted to marry his, his, his daughter and ended up giving him you know, two daughters, so he married both daughters. That's another message for another time. But 
his father-in-law Laban kept on changing the rules on him over and over and over again, changing his wages. And so finally, finally, like made him work for him for 20 years, just a rotten dude. And Jacob's like, enough is enough. And so under the cover of night, he takes his, his, his wives and he takes his flock and he God had blessed him like immensely. It's just crazy because he remained faithful and humble. But he's like, this is it, forget it, I'm done. And so he takes his, his flock, takes his family and he goes across the desert and he heads back towards his homeland and Laban finds out about it and he chases him down. And he's like, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him. And so he's, he's bent on taking revenge. He is bent on just, just taking his daughters back. And the night before he catches up with him, an angel of God visits him and says this, and let me speak these words over you. He says to him, do not do what you had planned to do. Do not do. I need to tell somebody, don't do that thing that you were thinking. You were thinking about bailing. You were thinking about giving up. You were thinking this, this whole family stuff is just too hard. Don't do what you had planned to do. And so the next morning, Laban catches up with Jacob and then it tells us this, this story is found in Genesis. You can, you can read the whole thing, but it says this in chapter 31. He, he finds him and says, so come, let's make a covenant, you and I, and it will be a witness to our commitment. So Jacob took a stone, cinder block for our purposes, and set it up as a monument. And then he told all his family members, hey, I want you guys to do the same. Hey, church, I want you to do do the same, gather some stones. So they gathered stones and they piled them in a heap. There's a time to scatter and a time to gather. In this season in history, you know, you, there were two things that you could do with a stone. One is you could hurl it and use it as a weapon. The other is you could just lay it down and you could stack it. So then he told his family, gather stones. So they gathered stones, piled them in a heap. Then Jacob and Laban sat down beside the pile of stones that they had gathered. And they, they sealed this commitment, this covenant with a meal, which I think is just the greatest thing in God's word. Hey, let's just eat together. Come on, somebody. Let's have a meal and figure this out. But here's what they would do. They would go and gather all the stones. And this is literally what they said. With each stone they picked up, they'd say, all right, there's that time that you changed my wages on me. I'm gonna stack that one. And then there's that time that you said that that really hurt me. And I'm gonna stack that one. And there's that thing that you did, remember that? I was holding on to that. And that thing that, that really, you know, like, like made me feel less than. And, there's, and they took all these offenses that they had just kind of one by one gathered stones and stacked them in a pile. And said, you know what? We're gonna leave that there. That's done. That's no longer between you and me. And I think God wants to heal some broken relationships today. And the only way that healing comes is when you and I decide instead of, of scattering stones, we're going to gather them together. And we're gonna stack them. We're gonna stack them. But Colby, you have no idea what they did to me. You're right, I don't, I don't. But I think there's a time for us to lay down our stone and to stack it. If we want to build strong, like we have to experience this in our life. How do I do that? The first thing you have to do, if you're gonna stack your stone, is you're gonna have to acknowledge your part. 
because we all have a part in that offense. Whatever part that was for you, you have a part. You need to acknowledge that part. In fact, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Every single one of us has a part. Are you with me? We have to acknowledge our part and then we have to abandon our ability or abandon the the thought of taking revenge. Like, get done with it. In fact, the Bible says in Romans, God says, hey, hey, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I'm gonna handle it. You don't handle it. I handle it. And I think God can handle it better, amen, Amen. than we can. And so you have to abandon the thought of ever taking revenge on someone to stack it. And then the last thing you have to do is apply grace, apply mercy, apply grace to that relationship, pardon, forgive, leave it, let it go. Enough is enough. It's time to build firm. It's time to build strong. And you cannot do it if you're holding on to an offense. And I need to say this for somebody because this, what I'm talking about, how many of you know, it's the same way we got in right here. It's through forgiveness. It's through grace. It's through mercy. It's through Jesus laying down his life and saying, I'm not gonna count your sin against you. In fact, I'm gonna go to bat for you on the cross. And so how how silly is it of us not to do the same? And so here's what I'd like us to do. Just stand to your feet wherever you are in this room. I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're gonna sing. And as we sing, hey, maybe it's some of your turn to take that stone and come lay it down. And today is the day you decide you are no longer gonna scatter stones, you're gonna stack them. We're gonna stack it up. We're gonna leave it here and you're gonna walk out of here because the only one that unforgiveness is hurting, by the way, is you. It's keeping you from building strong. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would help us, God, be a people who forgive people who love well, people who decided it in our heart, we're gonna build differently than the world around us who wants to hold on to bitterness, who wants to, who loves division. But a house divided will not stand. And so God, we need you to repair perhaps some broken relationships with fathers and sons and and mothers and and children or even uh, marriages, God. We've been holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness and it's it's grown this root inside of our heart and today we say no more does it have a handle on our lives in the name of Jesus we're laying it down asking you to forgive just as in Christ we've been forgiven and we can do it when we realize God that there is no grace like the grace you offer us grace for our sins of the past present future and so we say thank you for that and from today on we just decided as followers of Jesus we're going to live different we're going to be built different we're not going to carry offenses God that keep us from your best it's in Jesus name we pray amen amen come on church let's worship together thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast we hope you really enjoyed it If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. 
there will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.